Come on, Brett, you can do it. Here's the snap. It's good. The extra point kick is up. It kicked off the right upright and went out. My goodness. I just want to say thank you guys for everything this year. I really appreciate all your effort, and I know it's hard for you guys too. It's hard for us players to make it through, and you guys got a tough job, and I appreciate all that you guys do to cover us and everyone who watches and is a big fan of the sport. We're very grateful for everyone's support, and um, you know, hopefully, um, you know, I love this organization. It's a great place to be. And thank you, everybody, for welcoming me, all you regulars, and um, just very grateful for the respect, and, and uh, I hope I gave the same thing back to you guys so thank you very much appreciate it we're back to the press box morning show with ed greeny and tyler bischoff was that a goodbye i was gonna say should we read into that tom brady post-game press conference last night i don't know between brady and and rogers they sure seem to like the media rogers called everyone by their first names yeah which golf clap for that yeah but brady didn't he just said i hope uh i hope you i showed you guys respect but i bet he knows some names i don't know if he know all he he, you see he knows some of course he does but rogers went through like five as aloof as rogers comes off and the whole pat mcafee show and going on there every week i gave rogers some credit i mean he knew most everyone in the room it was impressive like DeBoer last night DeBoer knew everyone's name it's very impressive did he call you all by name everyone's name it was amazing Look at that. Sometimes yeah. I forget Jared's name. Oh. <laughs> Jared forgets his own Jared. name, too. <laughs> Look at Pete DeBoer. He knew everybody. He called everybody by name yesterday. Everybody by name. Oh. Shook everyone's hands. He was excited to be back. Oh, yeah. Knew everyone's by name. When he answered your question, he'd he'd answer with your name. Wow. And then he'd walk up to everyone. Hey, how you doing, Joe? Hey, how you doing, Mark? How you doing, you know, all the names and stuff Has like anybody that. anybody ever been happier to leave this place than Pete I don't DeBoer, know, apparently? He's, he knows everyone's names. He's chugging beers. He's happier as a, as a, a you-know-what in terms of winning that game and beating the team that fired him. He's looking back saying, thank God they fired me. Yeah. I'm in Dallas. I'm a, and I, I remember mean, all these guys with the yeah. media. How, terrific. All right. So maybe Brady's gone there. Um, Brett Maher, by the way. <laughs> Was that the Cowboys call? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure which one it is, but I think so, just because of how down they were when he missed it. They were. Please make this one, and he missed the fourth one. It's unreal that he missed four extra points on the Manning cast. Peyton got up and walked away when he missed the third one. Felt bad for him, but he's sticking around. He's got. He's going to kick a game-winning field goal. Going to kick a game-winning field goal against the 40. Oh, it's going to be great, and it's going to be the exact distance of an extra point. Yeah, or Let's just you're right. It might just be a game-winning extra point to win the game, like 21 to 20 or something like that. Like, yeah, just make the extra point. So, wanted to get in some quarterback conversation about Derek Carr because Zach Kiefer, who covers the Indianapolis Colts for the Athletic, he tweeted out, "Since some are still asking, no, the Colts are not trading." For Derek Carr. So let's stick with the Colts here for a second. Are you surprised the Colts would not be interested in Derek Carr? Uh, I don't know if I read into this. They're not trading for Derek Carr. And they believe he'll be cut and they can pursue him that way. That's interesting. Okay. I mean, I you know, trading, you have to give up something. and I'd, I'd love to know what the feeling is. We're going to find out what the feeling is because we're going to see who makes a run at him in the trade, in the trade market if anybody does. But I'd love to know if it's a game of chicken here where the overwhelming opinion within the league is we're just going to make you cut him. We like him, but we're not giving up assets for him. We're going to we're going to make you cut him, and we're going to go after him that way. 
I don't know. I, 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 I there's got to be a feeling within the league if they're actually if people actually want to give stuff up for him. I mean, you know, as your own team, if you do. If I'm the Raiders, I just don't cut him. Well, there's that as well. I mean, I just yeah. don't cut him. If 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 you if you're the Raiders and you think other teams are trying to play chicken with you, right. and you think other teams are like, oh, you got this deadline, we're not going to trade for him because you're going to have to cut him, and we'll just get him in free agency. I just don't cut him then because. We've talked about this before. If Derek Carr were to hit free agency and another NFL team came in and said, we want to sign you as our starting quarterback, he's going to get as much as he's guaranteed on this current deal. That's my question. Do you really think so? Yeah. If you're going to, if you're, if you're an NFL team, if you're the, just say the Colts and in free agency, you say we're signing Derek Carr to be our starting quarterback. He's getting $30 million. Right, he's hell. He might get more than that, right? Derek Carr's a starting level quarterback in the NFL, and if a team says we're signing you, you're our starting quarterback, that's thirty million dollars. And given that it would be a brand new contract, that's probably two fully guaranteed years at thirty million dollars or more. So, I, I honestly, I think if Carr became a free agent, he would probably get more guaranteed money. So, if I'm the Raiders and nobody's making a nobody's genuine offer, yeah. right? The Colts are like, eh, we'll give you a sixth right. for him. I just don't cut him. And I say, all right, you want Derek Carr? We're not cutting him. You got to trade with us to get Derek Carr. And granted, he has a no trade clause. So Derek Carr can say no to these things too. But I have to venture to guess if I'm the Raiders and I say, well, we're not cutting you either. And if nobody makes a good offer, you're just sitting on our bench the entire year. Carr's going to accept the first trade offer the Raiders bring to him. He's not coming back to that team. Right. So if I'm the Raiders, I, I know there's this deadline and I know I'm, I'm, it put, it opens me up to having to pay Derek Carr money without him ever playing for me again. I'm willing to take that gamble. I no doubt about it. I'm taking that gamble because Carr, Carr is good enough that there should be teams that want him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely should be yeah, teams, teams that need quarterbacks that sure. want him and would trade something for you. So if I'm the Raiders and that's the situation, then I just don't cut him. I say, all right, I just won't cut him. And the other scenario here, uh, because it depends, because Carr has the no trade clause, Carr has some power, and Carr, the the thing the Raiders and Carr can do is they can renegotiate the current deal. They could renegotiate the current deal to make it more appetizing for another team to trade for him. They could renegotiate the current deal to extend that window of when the Raiders can cut him or not cut him. Where if the Raiders said, hey, we're not cutting you, so... You want to extend this window and give us some more leverage to actually trade you to a team you want to go to. Like they, they can negotiate with Carr on what exactly the contract is going forward. So that's what I would do. Now on the Colts, here's where I genuinely where I think the Colts would not be interested in Derek Carr has nothing to do with Carr and everything to do with what they've done in the past since Andrew Luck's retirement. The Colts quarterbacks have been Jacoby Brissett. Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, all one season each. They have been trying the, hey, veteran quarterback, come in here. We're quarterback away from competing. Come save our team. And they've had one playoff appearance, and it was Phillip Rivers in that time. It has not worked. So if if I'm the Colts, I think it's pretty easy to look at it and say, all right, let's not go with Derek Carr because that's just another Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan situation. 
let's try to do let's just try to do something different. Even if it's not better, let's just try to do something different because that hasn't trade up and get the one pick. Something, just do some. Hell, just stay and take Anthony Richardson or whatever. Just try something different. Some other teams though, and some potential news that could concern Derek Carr. The Washington Commanders are apparently telling offensive coordinator candidates because they're hiring one that Sam Howell is their quarterback for 2023. Do you believe them? I mean, I saw him in the one game, and I can't believe they're saying without question he's the guy. Yeah. One one game the entire season. It was week 18. He was 11 of 19 for 169. It's Dallas, wasn't it? Right. I Okay. I come on this show and yell all the time about how teams handle quarterbacks. And listen, Sam Howell was not a first-round pick, so there's no reason to be like, ah, oh, you got to play the first-round pick. But the Commanders gave 16 starts this season to Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke. They gave one to Sam Howell, and now they're confident that Sam yeah. Howell's their quarterback next year. What were they doing? Give all of the starts to Sam Howell, and that's like, why did they waste their time on Heineke? Why did they go back to Carson Wentz when if they thought they had a chance with Sam? Like, what's happening here? Give your young quarterbacks a chance, and now they're saying, ah, we saw him for one. He threw 19 passes. And they're like, oh, yeah, he's going to be our quarterback. I don't believe them. I don't, I don't believe either. them for I don't, a second. I don't believe them that they've made that decision right. already. I don't How believe them for you? a second. He's had, one, he's had one start, wasn't very good in it, and you've made the assumption by what, practice? <laughs> how, how do you know he's, he, he's your starting quarterback here, for next year already? Here's the funny part about that. He wasn't good enough in practice to win the job from Taylor Heineke yes. or Carson Wentz. The entire season. And they went back and forth between them. It's not like one of them was just great for the entire year. They kept going back and forth. He wasn't good enough in practice to win the job from those two, but he was good enough in 19 passes in a regular season game for you to say, that's our guy. No chance. That cannot be reality. I don't believe that from the commanders. Maybe if they are like, oh, we want Brady. Don't get him. Oh, we want Lamar Jackson. Oh, he didn't leave. Oh, we didn't make the trade for Carr. Maybe he's like the fallback option where right. you strike out on two or three other guys and say, right. all right, we'll see what we got. But there's no way that's option A for the commanders. The last team here to talk about is the Jets because their owner, Woody Johnson, was asked about if he'd spin big at quarterback. And he said, absolutely. We've got a cap. So there's an amount you can spend. But yeah, that's kind of the missing piece. He also said, we're going to be as aggressive as heck when it comes to quarterback play and make sure we do everything we can to satisfy that position. Well, goodbye, Zach Wilson. <laughs> or he's just going to, or they're just going to keep him and sit him, right? That's probably what happens. I, I bet they try to get a quarterback that's ahead of Wilson and Wilson's their backup because there's a dead cap hit because he's on his rookie contract. Um, but they have no interest in him playing again. If you're the Jets, do you want Tom Brady or Derek Carr? Brady, but I think I th- is the right answer. Neither. I'd want Brady. You you take Brady over I'd Carr Brady. just because there's the mystique of Tom Brady, but it really feels like the answer's neither. Like if you to either one of those, you told me the Jets got Brady or the Jets got Carr. I'm still probably telling you they finish third in the division next year. Right, they're not catching Buffalo Miami. with Brady or Carr, if two, and if if their quarterback situation, right? And I think about. Miami's going to be good under Mike McDaniel. I mean, look at how good Tua was before he got the right. concussions. Like I, Brady or Carr, there, I, th- I think they're the third best team in the division, and 
if the if the Patriots hire a real offensive coordinator, they might be the fourth best team in the right. division. So I I'm curious, but the other part there is when the owner of a team says we're we're willing to pay, uh, we want to be aggressive. Do you think that means they're willing to pay draft picks to get Carr? Yeah, I think I so too. I do too. Like, I do. If that's and, what if that's if that's the owner's quote, what is? He knows he says he's going to spend big on a quarterback, so he already knows the pay range, right? So that's not being aggressive because you know how much you're going to have to pay the guy. So what's being aggressive? Aggressive is being giving up draft picks, right? So may, maybe the owner or the GM, whoever, is that like, ah, oh, we don't like Carr, we don't think Carr's good enough, or whatever. Maybe that's their decision, and that means they're going to be aggressive with Brady or Garoppolo or Geno Smith or whatever. But if they do like Carr. That quote to me jumps out as well. If we think we'll Carr, if we think Carr puts us in the playoffs or yeah. makes us a division contender, whatever they think he does, we're we're willing to give up the second round pick more than that. Right. I don't know what the asking price is going to be, but we're willing to do that. That's how I read that quote. Is if they like Carr, they're going to be a team that's willing to pay for Derek Carr, and that's good news for the Raiders because the Commanders are trying to tell you, "No, nah, we don't want Carr. We want Sam Howell," and the Colts are saying, "No, nah, we don't want Carr. We want." Insert Whoever. random quarterback here, and there's at least one team out there that's owner saying, "Hey, let's go after somebody. Maybe it's not Carr, but let's go after somebody at that position." All right, we got more tickets to give away. If you want to go see Carlos Santana on February 5th at the House of Blues, call in now 702-364-1100. That's the phone number. We got two tickets to go see Carlos Santana on February 5th at the House of Blues. Caller number nine will win two tickets to see Carlos Santana. Steve Cofield brings the pop and sizzle to ESPN Las Vegas. I didn't even notice. Did you walk back outside or you get distracted? You said there was a dog in a car outside. I did. At the first break, it was gone. Okay. I told you. Well, I didn't even see you go. I not only went, I came back in and told you. I'm in La La Land half the time. I got to think about everything I'm going to say during these breaks. Otherwise, I got nothing. Where are we going? I got distracted. I don't know. Was the dog okay? It was gone. Okay. I just Now I just told you that 30 seconds ago. Cofield and Company, weekday afternoons on ESPN Las Vegas. This traffic report is brought to you by Best Mattress. Best Mattress. Sleep easy, friends. Tonight at 11 p.m. will be the first big closure for what will be a big event. That's the Tropicana 15 Interchange. Tonight, the 15 southbound off-ramps to Tropicana eastbound and westbound. Those will be closed, once again, starting tonight at 11. This traffic report is brought to you by Best Mattress. Best Mattress. Sleep easy, friends. At Best Mattress, we just got big rebates from Serta, Sealy, and Beautyrest. And guess what? I'm passing all those rebate savings on to you. So save big right now at Best Mattress. We've got quick delivery and easy financing, too. Best Mattress. Sleep easy, friends. See store for details. Richard Harris Law Firm. From everywhere they call in. Carson City, Carlin. Winnemucca, Elko, Sparks, and Vegas. All those wins have made us famous. When they're injured, more Nevadans turn to the Richard Harris Law Firm. Because no one knows Nevada like we do, call 444-4444. Henderson, Reno, West Wendover. Call us up, we'll talk things over. And don't forget Perump. Visit the William Hill Sportsbook at the Plaza Hotel and Casino and get free parking. Now through February 9th, simply place a $25 parlay bet at the ticket counter and get your parking validated at the Plaza Hotel and Casino. William Hill Sportsbook, your home for wagering and betting on all major sports. Visit the William Hill Sportsbook at the Plaza Hotel and Casino for more details and official rules. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-522-4700. 
New year, new you, new VW. Save big this year on your favorite VW vehicles with no charge registration on all in-stock new 2022 Volkswagen models. Everything from the sporty Golf GTI, the popular Jetta, to the family car of the year, the amazing Atlas. Get free registration on your favorite Volkswagen models through 131.23 at Finley North VW in Centennial Hills, one mile north of Annan 95, or online at FinleyNorthVW.com. Excludes prior deals for Nevada residents only. Running a business gets more complicated every year, so you need a trusted advisor in your corner, especially when it comes to your workers' comp program. Pro Group Management has been helping Nevada's self-insured businesses for over 20 years. Whether your business is retail, trucking, building, agriculture, or auto, our team has the expertise to make sure your coverage meets your needs and at a price that fits your budget. Our award-winning team keeps track of all the important regulatory issues that impact your business. We help with safety, compliance, and inspections because that's what you should expect from a trusted business partner. Find out how to have Pro Group Management work for you. Visit our website at pgmnv.com to receive a free cost savings analysis now. That's pgmnv.com or call our Las Vegas office at 702 740 4380 Pro Group Management. Workers' comp that works for you. You know, there's nothing I hate more than dishonest business practices. So I built the company GiveMeTheVin.com around this slogan. We do what we say we're going to do when we say we're going to do it. We'll treat you with the respect that you deserve, and we pay too much for good cars. Show up at your house, check in hand, pay off your off. It's just that simple. Give me the VIN.com, America's best car buyer. Sell us your car. Give me the VIN.com. So easy you can do it in your underwear. Hey, it's JT, and I'm thrilled to be partnered with the newest property on the strip, Resorts World Las Vegas. The best place to watch the NFL playoffs is at Resorts World's Doghouse Saloon. <laughs> Doghouse has the best views to watch the game, a sports book on site to place your bets, incredible food and drink specials, and an amazing after party with live entertainment and dueling pianos. The JT The Brick Show's official home for the NFL playoffs is the Doghouse Saloon at Resorts World Las Vegas. The Hoop Collective Podcast. I'm at our ESPN LA studios. You may remember that Bev did a couple of days of work for ESPN last yeah, year. Oh, I remember. I was on there. with him. He left a gorgeous Dolce & Gabbana suit here that is just spectacular. You should wear it on TV suit. today, Brian. I do not believe it will fit me, only because <laughs> my arms are too long. You're across the street. Come over and get it. It's yeah, got to be at least a $7,000 suit. The Hoop Collective Podcast. Listen on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, this is Joe Cordell with the law firm Cordell & Cordell. Divorce can be complicated, especially if children are involved. If you're a father and want to protect your role in your children's lives, remember Cordell & Cordell. We've helped men with matters like these for 30 years, and we'd love to help you. Schedule an appointment with one of Cordell & Cordell's attorneys or affiliate attorneys in your state. Call 833-MEN-LAW-1. Joseph Cordell, Principal Partner. Licensed in Missouri and Illinois only. Visit CordellCordell.com. This sports update is brought to you by Dollar Loan Center. Get a signature loan up to $5,000. Apply online at don'tbebroke.com today. Last night, the Lady Rebels improved to 7-0 in the Mountain West and 17-2 overall as they defeated Boise State by a score of 73-61. They'll hit the road as their next game is in Laramie, Wyoming, as they'll take on the Cowgirls Thursday at 5.30.
Bischoff's Briefs. Dude, I'm not going to cave in. End of story, dude. Bischoff's Briefs. Dude, 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 dude. Bischoff's Briefs. Dude. Bischoff's Briefs. I guess you've got a point there. Coming up in a few minutes here on ESPN Las Vegas, Ryan Wallace will join the show a little bit later. We'll have more tickets to WWE SmackDown. But Bischoff's Briefs today, looking at the Chargers and Jacks. The Chargers jumped out to a 27-0 lead. It was 27-7 at halftime. The Jacksonville Jags then scored on every possession of the second half. The only possession of the second half in which they did not score a touchdown. The final drive in which they kicked the game-winning field goal. Chargers only scored three points in the second half, had a missed field goal in there as well. So two uh, scoring drives, but only one of them resulted in points. What I thought was uh, most interesting about the Chargers collapse, they did not have a turnover in the game. Like they, they completely because they ran the ball three times in the second half with the 27. I actually don't blame them because the Chargers suck at running. The Chargers are one of the five worst rushing teams in the entire league. They should have thrown the ball as many times. That many as they times? Did. They they're awful. They can they Austin Eckler does not run for yards. Austin Eckler scores touchdowns from the five, but he doesn't run for yards. I'm just saying it in terms of maybe running some clock. They shouldn't have run they they should have thrown it on every play. <laughs> I wouldn't have run the ball once the entire game. But they didn't have it like of all these like big collapses or or even like the Buffalo Miami game where Miami was down 17 nothing. It's amazing to me that the Chargers lost without turning the ball over. They just simply didn't really move the ball much, and their defense genuinely did not get a single stop for an entire half of football, and they lost the game. But here's what I thought was the most interesting part of the game. Doug Peterson versus Brandon Staley kicking decisions. Doug Peterson, after the penalty on Joey Bosa that put the extra point at the one-yard line, elected to go for two. Ran a quarterback sneak and got it. That was essentially the key play in the entire game because that set them up to win the game with a field goal, not just tie it with a field goal. Doug Peterson also on the Jags final drive down by two, fourth and one from the 40, goes for it. And Travis Etienne runs for 20 yards to set up the game winning field goal. Doug Peterson with two big time decisions when it came to going for two and going forward on fourth and one. When a lot of coaches probably kick the extra point, and I do wonder how many coaches would have kicked the field goal on fourth and one from the 40, because, you know, 56, 57 is makeable when you're down by two, but he went for it in both scenarios. Meanwhile, Brandon Staley kicked field goals, fourth and goal from the four, fourth and goal from the five, and fourth and three from the 22-yard line. What happened to Brandon Staley? Brandon Staley, to me, got caught up in what people were criticizing him for, and he let it creep into his mind. Genuine question for you. I really believe that. Did Staley get caught up in it, or did Staley get told by ownership or general manager, Well, stop it? It's a good point, because Spanos and his loons uh, (laughs) often insert themselves into these kind of situations. Um I think Staley did. You know, Staley, afterward, the game when he played Mike Williams, became defensive about it right away because he knew he was going to get ripped for it. They said, well, if I don't play these guys, you're ripping me for this. And if I do play them, you're ripping me for that. He became very insecure about it. That's like the first thing he said after that game when when, uh, Williams hurt his back in the 18th game of this 18th week of the season. 
I really think Staley. It's weird because the way he used to coach, you would think like he doesn't care what people think, right? Like I'm going to go for it on fourth down. I'm never punting. I don't care what the hell anyone thinks. And now that he's doing this, you almost wonder, do you care what people think? Because you've been ripped by, you know, Rex Ryan's on Keyshawn and those guys yesterday, just torching him, just torching him. He doesn't know what he's doing. You know, the guys of old, they won, you know, all, all the Bills won. And, you know, Bill Parcells, Bill Bill Belichick, they never did that. This guy's, you know, he's too young and brash and all that. It, does he listen to those kind of things? Well, the funny part about Rex Ryan's criticism of Brandon Staley going for it on fourth down all the time, they lost the game because the other coach did go for it and Staley mm-hmm. did it. The The win probabilities from that game on kick decisions, the Jags gained 24% win probability because Peterson went for it on the extra point for two and because Peterson went for it on the fourth and one. The Chargers lost 13%. Because of how Staley coached. That's a 37% swing right. in win probability based on one coach going for it and one not going for it. And it was the coach that went for it, not Staley, that came out on top. The criticism of Staley being aggressive and going for it on fourth downs, you can't make that criticism anymore because he didn't do it. The entire regular season, the Chargers didn't go for it on fourth down nearly as much as they did last year. And I genuinely wonder what happened. And maybe it's people got to him, but I, I honestly think it's got to be more about ownership or general manager, whoever, telling Brandon Staley, you can't do that anymore. Because there was a story after the season, it was during the offseason, where I think it was an athletic reporter talked to Brandon Staley. And Brandon about Staley, all of this? Uh, yeah, and Brandon Staley, one of the things was like Brandon Staley, I can't remember what the book was, but had like a book memorized and was like flipping to an exact page to read an exact quote or whatever. Based on that story, there's no way in hell Brandon Staley suddenly became a coach that was like, oh, I can't go for it on fourth and three. There's there's no way Staley came to that decision on his own based on what I knew about Brandon Staley eight months ago. But now all of a sudden he is. Now all of a sudden he's the one that's coaching like he's 74 years old and this is how we did it in 1996. So this is how we're going to keep doing it. Meanwhile, Doug Peterson's out here like, oh, no, we should go for it here, guys. And that's... I just, I don't know what happened there because he went from being the most aggressive fourth down coach to being, I think he was bottom half in terms of aggressiveness on fourth down this season. And I don't understand what happened there. Now, it appears as though he's not being fired. No, they they fired fired the the offensive coordinator, coordinator fired the passing game strategist, whatever that position was. Do you believe he should have been fired after this season? I mean, I predicted he would be, should be as a different is a whole different category. Um, that's tough. He's in his second year. Yeah. Probably not. I thought they would fire him because of the blown lead, but I don't think he probably should have been fired after two years. They've, they made the playoffs. I know they imploded. He's worked with this quarterback for two years now, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I'm going to say I don't think he should have been, but it is interesting the points you're bringing up about how he's changed as a coach. It's is he, bizarre. Is he going to remain this way? So, I probably think he will. Right. So here's so here's my things on should you fire Staley or not. If you are gonna t- if you're ownership and you're gonna tell Staley you can't be that aggressive on fourth down, you have to coach this way. You should fire him right. because that's not who that's not. Brandon Who Staley. He is. Right. You hired this guy, and that's you hired him to be Brandon Staley, and you're not letting him be. If that's what you're going to tell him, you should fire him. You should have fired him after last year if that's what you're going to tell the guy. But the whole deserve to be fired or not, it depends on, I think it depends on your perspective of how you view the Chargers. 
if you view the Chargers as Justin Herbert is really good, Justin Herbert's a superstar, this team should be a contender, this team should be in the same conversation as Kansas City and Buffalo, then Brandon Staley should be fired because they have not been that. But if you view the Chargers in the context of what have the Chargers been, the 10 years prior to Staley becoming the head coach, two playoff appearances, zero division titles, one season with double-digit wins. Staley, they didn't make the playoffs last year, but they were 9-8 and eight last season. And then this year, 10-7. and seven. So Brandon Staley's had two winning seasons, right? And they went to the playoffs. Staley's last two years have basically been as good as the last decade of Charger football. Right. It's actually been better because they had some losing seasons in there as well. If you view it in the context of what the Chargers are, Staley deserves to continue to be the coach of the Chargers because they've been better than they were the previous decade. But if you view it as you have Justin Herbert, that guy's a superstar, you should win the Super Bowl, they haven't been anywhere close Well, I to agree with you on that if he hasn't changed – but he's been forced to change, then oh. why is he the coach? Yeah, you're, you're, I mean, or he's now, not the coach anymore. Now, yeah. if he's changed because of outside criticism by media, whoever, I guess maybe he shouldn't be the coach either. I mean, right. if he's going to stay with what he's doing now, yeah. and he doesn't truly believe in it in him, within himself as a coach, then you're just handcuffing yourself. Right, and that would be, I think, the dumbest thing the Chargers could do. So it's a weird scenario where you have a coach who ha- he hasn't exactly been they haven't been bad. They're, they won 19 games over the last two years, but it just feels like they haven't been good enough with Justin Herbert and the way, like the way they lost to the Raiders last year that knocked him out of the playoffs, and and the way they lost the way they the lost that night. game. It's it's almost it's less about the actual results and more about the way those results happen that make people sit back and say that guy should be fired. When in reality. I think most people, when you hire a new head coach, would take 19 wins in two years. Yeah, Raiders are going to have to go 13 and four yeah. next year to, to get, get to there. 19. So, I it's it's a bizarre scenario. I I think he should be back, but I also think if you're the Chargers, you have to let Brandon Staley be Brandon Staley. And if it fails next year, all right, fire the guy, but right. let him go for it on fourth and three from the four yard line or the three yard line, whatever it is. All right, coming up next, Ryan Wallace joins the show. This isn't the Alex Ovechkin Power Hour. This is the VGK Update with Ryan Wallace. Follow him on Twitter at RyanHockeyGuy. I'm out. Hello, Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Uh, Do you think that Ed and I gave better effort this morning than the Golden Knights did yesterday? Uh, not a chance. Oh, come oh, on. Are you saying we're not, not giving chance. NHL effort this morning? Well, you're not in the NHL, so you're never giving NHL effort. <laughs> you don't know that. Uh, what, do you, what do you make of Bruce Cassidy after a game in which they got beat down for nothing at home? What do you make of the head coach saying they didn't give NHL effort in uh, yesterday's game? Well, I, I don't think there's really anything to, to make of it. He wasn't happy with their effort. It's, it's pretty clear, right? The, Injuries are a part of this business for the Golden Knights. They've dealt with it for the last two seasons. Uh, it's never easy to lose your captain and, and really a player in Mark Stone that I think makes your team go. But it's also an opportunity for other players, right? It's an opportunity for the Jack Eichels, the Chandler Stevensons, the, the John of the Marchessos, William Carlsons to, to kind of take this team and, and step up in a big way. And it's, it's an opportunity for... You know, some of the fringe players, the Jonas Rombergs and, and the Paul Cotters, who are, are trying to take a, a bigger step and be a bigger part of this team to, to do something. And, you know, I think 
yesterday, what you got was just a whole lot of nothing from the Golden Knights. Um, and so when a coach comes out and talks about effort, um, that's something that's easily within your control. You might not have the talent on a night-to-night basis, but you can always control the effort. And uh, I think that that was a, a message sent directly to his team that Thursday night, the effort better be there. If you lose because you just don't have the talent, that's one thing. But if you lose because your 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 effort's not where it needs to be, that's something that's going to drive a coach crazy. Were you more surprised, given you knew how well, not how well, I guess how hard Dallas would play because of DeBoer coming back, um, that it, it's going to happen over the season, but that it actually happened in this moment, given they're playing them for the first time, two first-place teams, DeBoer and all the and all the headlines. I mean, were you more surprised that it happened now? Yeah, 100%. I thought, like, looking at the schedule after the Edmonton game where the you know the Golden Knights weren't really ready to play down 2 nothing early, um, I thought that they were going to come out just on fire in that game the other day against the Dallas Stars because you had Pete coming back, because you had a game that, that can put you back in first place in the Western Conference with a win. And, yeah, I was, I was more surprised, I think, than anybody that the Golden Knights came out as flat as they did against Dallas yesterday for sure. Is there uh, any truth in your mind to Jack Eichel needs to carry this team at the moment? Well, I, I think that that is true, right? You, you've got a, a player in Jack Eichel who you go out and you make a big trade for. He is a, a superstar in this league, and I think what you need right now with Mark Stone out of the lineup is your best players to be your best players. And I'd make the argument that without Stone, Jack Eichel is your best player that he's the most talented player that you have offensively. He's a guy that can make things go single-handedly by himself. So you're going to need more out of Jack Eichel over the next couple of, of games or weeks or however long Mark Stone's out. He's got to be the guy. Uh, he also said afterwards he wasn't, meaning Cassidy, he wasn't here last year, but he knew there were a lot of injuries. But you have to fight through stuff like that. You can't, you know, you can't let it linger. There's going to be injuries. But this team, again, Martinez goes off yesterday. I mean, is it... I don't want to say snake bit, but is, is this, well, especially with Robin Leonard, what am I saying? Uh, <laughs> is is there just a feeling that it's never going to stop? I mean, every time you turn around, there's someone going out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that probably is, is part of it, right? You, you've got human nature on, on your side when you're dealing with, with pro athletes, and um, you, you go three games in a row and you lose your cap, and then you lose a, a surprising player that, that's been awesome for you and Will Carrier, and now you're, you're down Alec Martinez. So, you know, I think that there's probably a a degree of, okay, here we go again. I can't believe this is happening. But at the same time, what Bruce Cassidy said the other day is, is true. Like you, you, you got to just kind of flush that from your mind and someone's got to take advantage of the opportunity that they have in front of them. It's never, it's never a good feeling to get a chance because somebody got injured. But you've got to do something with that chance, right? You've got to do something with the opportunity that's in front of you. And so it, it creates this, this chance for somebody. And on the defensive side, I feel like, you know, it, if Alec Martinez is going to be out for a bit or unable to play, that, that creates an opportunity for Braden Pahal or someone else to come in here and, and play a role. And I think what Bruce Cassidy wants more than anything is just somebody to grab that opportunity and run with it. Uh, if I ask you to put a percentage on it, how confident are you the Golden Knights win the division? Ooh, um, that's a really interesting question. The Seattle Kraken, I, I feel like they're legitimate, um, even though they're they're legitimately outscoring all of their goaltending issues. 
And I like I don't believe that can happen for eighty two games, but hey, they're gonna give it a shot. Um the Kings have been better of late. Um I'm I'm about seventy percent there that the Golden Knights will win their division, but that's down from about like ninety nine percent three three weeks ago. So. <laughs> uh both teams completely healthy, and with the Knights, and I know that'll be tough uh, probably because what happens to them, but both teams completely healthy in a Western Conference final. What you know about them and what you saw from them yesterday, why would it be so hard to defeat that team and eliminate it? Um, I mean, I, I think that there's a couple of things, right? The the Dallas Stars have a really, really good goaltender in Joe Gottinger, and though he didn't have to do very much yesterday, he's capable of single-handedly pushing an opponent to the brink of elimination. He did that last year against the Calgary Flames. He was literally the only thing that Dallas did well, um, and they almost won that series. Now, you couple that with the emergence of, of Jason Robertson as a legitimate, legitimate top five goal scorer in the league. You got Joe Pavelski, his intangibles, Jamie Benn playing better. Uh, I mean, top to bottom, they're just a really deep, really good team. Um, they forecheck incredibly well. They're, they were on top of the Golden Knights winning every board battle. Um, and they just suppress shots. They had the puck all night. It's not really that different than a normal Pete DeBoer team. You, you push, you push, you push, you possess the puck, and you throw a lot of, of pucks on net. And so what I think the Golden Knights would need to do is obviously come up with a way to get out of their own zone a little bit cleaner. Um, there's not going to be very much rush. So for Vegas, they're going to have to create in zone. That's been a, a difficult thing for this team, but I think for Bruce Cassidy, it's all about trying to figure out a way to make that happen. I would imagine you get a little bit more emotion um, in your game. You, you have a little bit more um, juice, so to speak, and I think it'd be a really entertaining series, but it would be difficult because Dallas is a really, really good hockey team. Given the players available to Bruce Cassidy for the game on Monday, and if that's the same group of players available going forward... Uh, who should be on the first line with Jack Eichel? So I I don't disagree with the idea of of putting Paul Cotter alongside Jack Eichel. I like the idea of Nick Waugh going into that spot because you've got two centers now on the line. You can have two guys taking draws, um, and Nick Waugh goes to the front of the net and, and all that. Now, I'm not certain we saw enough of it. I feel like maybe Riley Smith, and, and Jack Eichel alongside Nick Waugh could work. We saw that a little bit. I, I think that that's something that, that might you know, do something for Bruce Cassidy. Um, but there's no perfect option here. I, you're, you're missing Mark Stone. He's the player that makes this team go. And you know, without him in the lineup, you're, you're just going to kind of constantly be searching for ways to make it work. Um, if I'm guessing, I say you go Riley Smith alongside Jack Eichel and Nick Waugh, and you try to give that a little bit of time to see if it can work. Uh, do you have any snakes on your farm? I mean, there are snakes all around us, but um, I mean, like, I don't own any snakes, okay. if that's what you're asking. Do, do you feel like you could go into somebody's backyard and dig a few holes and some snakes pop out? Well, where I'm at, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> all right, just don't buy them for $1.2 million. He's Ryan Wallace. You can hear him on the VGK Insider Show. Also, pre-post and intermission win the Golden Knights play over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan, as always. Thanks, Ryan. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys.
So there's Ryan Wallace joining us here on ESPN Las Vegas. We've got some more tickets to give away. WWE SmackDown is coming to Las Vegas at MGM Grand Garden Arena. And you can win a pair of tickets from us right now before they go on sale. Friday, March 24th at MGM Grand. Two tickets to WWE SmackDown, 702-364-1100. That's the phone number. We'll take caller number 10 at 702-364-1100. Texans, it's a team that's got, they got to find a quarterback probably. Are you willing to consider that if you... Absolutely. You, okay, you Here's would. why. When you practice for three days with an opponent, you, you get a chance to meet a lot of the different personalities and people involved in the building. They've got really good draft capital. They're in a division that you can at least look at and say, all right, Indy, Tennessee, Jacksonville is nothing. So I, I think there's growth potential immediately there from their two or three wins that they had this year. That's the significance, though, of the upcoming week or two of meeting mm -hmm. some of these individuals, asking some questions, maybe some difficult questions, and, and, and trying to get answers so that we're not having difficult questions when you've already taken the job. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Congratulations to Shannon, who won Carlos Santana tickets earlier, and Matthew won some WWE tickets as well here on ESPN Las Vegas. Ed is gone. He's got uh, interviews to go do. Uh, but, Danny, I have a very important question for you. Shoot. You have been on the Brock Purdy Rookie of the Year hype train. Yep. Uh, I don't know if you still care now that it's the postseason. No, not really, because I mean the voting's already in. Okay, right? all right. I, yeah, I just I know it's been all. Even though you didn't bet on it, uh, right? You just I don't. You just like you just want the justification to tell me that you got it right, even yep. though you didn't bet on it. That okay. I was the first one to say it. Okay. Um, were you impressed by Brock Purdy? I was against the Seahawks. I was. So here's an interesting stat for you. There's a stat called completion percentage over expected, which is just basically, it's a stat to say, hey, this is what the average quarterback would complete. Mm -hmm. And then what did you do against it? Brock Purdy, despite having a terrific stat line against Seattle, actually had a negative 0.5 completion percentage over expected, which means... 0.5%. He basically completed exactly what the average quarterback would do right. against Seattle, which I feel like is ex the exact point that everybody has made about Brock Purdy. That, that he's average? Yeah. That, listen, he is, for, for the last pick in the draft, phenomenal, right? Like, you pick yeah. a guy in the seventh round, if the dude starts one game for you at any position... I mean, look at Skylar Thompson. He yeah. was drafted like I think fifteen spots. No, oh, no, he's fifteen seventh round spots yeah, ahead yeah. of him. Yeah, like no, no doubt about it. The the round he was drafted in, the guy's been phenomenal. But he's giving you exact, just perfectly average production. Maybe that's worthy of rookie of the year if he had done it over the course of a full season. No doubt about we'll it. We'll see what happens in two weeks. But I think the there, there's okay. There's a couple of things. First off. One thing he does that I actually am genuinely impressed with. He does not give up on plays. No. Like there there are listen, there's a lot of plays the 49ers run that are schemed up. Guys are wide open. Like his biggest touchdown pass of the day, he threw it like 12 yards down the field yep. and it turned into a 70-yard touchdown. Guy was wide open, nobody touched him. There's a ton of that from Kyle Shanahan, there's a ton of that with the 49ers. It's why they might be able to win the Super Bowl 
regardless of who their quarterback is. But he does, honestly. There are there are four or five times, it seems like, where the play doesn't work exactly, and he'll move out of the pocket, or he might get sacked and avoid it, and he'll keep his eyes downfield and still make a throw down the field. Not always completed, but he'll make plays a few times a game, which is like, maybe I'm scarred after watching Derek Carr. It's like, eh, no, not everybody does that. But Purdy does. Like, that is, that is the one thing about him that I'm like, oh, that actually is an impressive part of his game that you can't just simply credit to Kyle Shanahan and the skill position guys. Yeah. Where I do think a lot of it, you can credit this Kyle Shanahan and the skill position guys. Like if you swap Skylar Thompson and Brock Purdy, if you swap their teams, it would work. Brock Purdy's not going to Miami and leading them to an upset. over. Oh no, he still is. Oh, is it? Okay. But Skylar Thompson wouldn't work on San Francisco. Ah, I see. That's why he doesn't work in Miami. You put Brock Purdy there, AFC championship. So there are parts of Brock Purdy that are, oh, look at that. That's better than some actual good quarterbacks might do in the NFL. Like Brady's not doing that. We had Charles McDonald on earlier. Talk about, you know, they run bootlegs and stuff like that. Like Brady doesn't do that. No. So there is elements of Brock Purdy's game that are good, but it's still no reason for him to be the quarterback next year. There's still, I don't even think honestly it should be like entertained. Honestly, I Outside of I know you haven't outside given of that those opinion. seven yeah. games that he played this year, I don't care. <laughs> he could not start another game for the rest of his career. I don't care. I can't believe you didn't bet on him. No, well, like I said, year. I only saw it his after his first like two starts. It still wasn't up, and then it was up for like his next two or yeah, his next two starts, and then they took it down. So it was only up for like two weeks. Ken Walker's gonna win, isn't he? Uh, actually, last time I looked, he was third, and in, in as far as odds, he was third. Yeah. Oh, who? Yeah. Wait, who else was ahead of him? Not Purdy, right? No, or was Pur- Purdy. Yeah, Purdy was two. Oh, Walker was three, and then um, Wilson was. I one. think Wilson was one. Oh. Figured Walker would be ahead of Brock Purdy. No, not the last time I saw it. All right, he'll win. He'll get more votes than Brock Purdy. Nah. As long as the voting was done. Didn't didn't Ken Walker have like back-to-back 100-yard games to basically get the Seahawks in the playoffs? Well, I think he I know he played like 16 games and finished with like uh just over 1000 yards. Yeah. Well, cuz he started the year backing up Rashad Penny. Right. And then Penny got hurt week 4, something like that, and then Ken Walker took over and was and took off. Yeah. He's the the stats on Ken Walker um, because there's stats about like for running backs and, and rushing yards over expected, uh, Ken Walker's overall, like rushing yards over expected is really good, but the actual percentage of carries that he is better than expected is extremely low because Ken Walker basically has one or two rushes a game where it's, it's like, ah, that should be a five yard carry. And he takes it 75 yards. And then the rest of the time, it's like, ah, yeah, that should have been a five-yard carry, and he got hit for two yards, right? Like, he he has, like, two or three monster plays, and then the rest of the game, he's a below-average running back. Uh, I mess with my buddies. He's a, uh, he's a Seahawks fan, so me and him are going back and forth about rookie of the year. Oh, I keep boy. yelling about Purdy, and he's yelling about Walker. Um, that reminds me, uh, J.R. Starkus, who joins us on Thursdays, when he was in here last week, was telling us that he has a Vikings fan. Uh, friend that listens to the show and gets mad when we talk about how much the Vikings suck. <laughs> so he's not going to like today's <sighs> show. Huh? We didn't even talk about him that much and we probably should have, but 
I mean, here's the thing: it wasn't only us talking about the bike. I've never seen a more united like media and fan front on yeah the Vikings suck. Well, yeah, like I, I've never seen everybody like oh they're thirteen and four yeah yeah but they actually suck. Yeah, I'm, like normally I would say they overplayed their hand. I mean this they did, season. but normally people there would be somebody out there that would be like. Well, they're 13. They just win when it matters, right? They've right. got that it factor. Except I, I in the playoffs. See, I didn't see anybody make that argument. Everybody was just like, yeah, they kind of suck. Like, they're 13 and four, but they're they're kind of bad. And yeah. everybody agreed. There was no, except like Vikings fan. Everybody was like, yeah, they kind of suck. Well, that's, that's why they had a negative point differential because their wins were <laughs> less than two. seven points. And their losses were complete blowouts. Their first loss in a one-possession game came in the playoffs to the New York Giants and Daniel Jones. It's tough. Tough to be a Vikings fan. Not as bad as a Chargers fan, though.